You are listening to Spot On, a health and wellness podcast that breaks through the latest media headlines to provide you with accurate and usable information that is, well, spot on, spot on to meet your needs. I am your host, Dr. Joan Salji-Blake, a nutrition professor at Boston University and the author of the college textbook called Nutrition and You, which is used in colleges across the United States and abroad. Hello, Spot On listeners. We have a new episode that we are launching today. I hope you like this title. Is health misinformation making us sick? You know, I wanted to do this episode because there is so much nutrition and health information out there. But I read about a statistic, a research study that was published that said that higher immunization rates could have prevented nearly half of the COVID-19 related deaths between January 1, 2021 and April 30th, 2022. And during COVID, the misinformation contributed to people doing unproven treatments that didn't do any good, maybe harm, and more importantly, were hesitant about you know, getting the vaccine. So I said, that's it. We're going to talk more about this. So I'm going to be with you in a second, and we're going to bring on my guest, and you are really going to enjoy this episode. Stay tuned. Okay, spot on listeners. As I mentioned, I brought in the expert about this, you know, is health, nutrition, misinformation making us sick? I, I think so. I think so. So I brought in my guest today. It's um, Timothy Carfield. He is a uh, Canada Research Chair in Health and Law and Policy, a professor in the Faculty of Law and the School of Public Health, and a research director. I mean, how many jobs do you have? This is ridiculous. Okay. And he's also done over 350 academic articles. He's written books. He had his own Netflix series. I mean, he. I, I, do you sleep, Tim? No. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that makes, that's that and that's my one health. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Is I, I, but hey, it's it, right. we're all struggling, right? Right. Right. Now, let me tell you why I brought him on because he is the guru of he has a, such a short fuse with health misinformation. Like if you just throw it out there, he is all over it on social media because he can't stand it. And he actually, I'm going to tell you this, you did, you started this where up to, up going back at them, you, like they would say crazy things for health and nutrition information. And you would go right back on the social media. And um, not everybody was your friend, Tim. And still, <laughs> I'm, re- I'm reminded Every day, Joan, that not yeah. everyone is my yeah. is my friend. But but also you, you're right. I think you can remember this. I think early days, even institutions like universities right. and hospitals, professional organizations weren't so warm to the idea that we should be hopping on social media and countering the misinformation. That's changed. And I think right. it's changed for a number of reasons. One, People are recognizing that this is a serious, serious problem. You know, the FDA, I think that new head of the FDA, I think in, right. in May, he said, you know, misinformation is eroding our life expectancy, right? That's right. And so that's number one. And the other reason I think that people are, are 
changing their perspective on you know getting involved in in battling misinformation on social media is because we know it works and by works i mean countering misinformation can make a difference especially if it comes from trusted voices so right. uh, i know it doesn't feel like it works joan like it's this you know we're trying to hold back the tide <laughs> you know with one or with our but but there's a i think a pretty robust body of evidence that it's an important tool in the fight against misinformation Right. All right. So for those that don't totally understand this, well, they know what, what misinformation is, but they don't know what disinformation is. So can you explain what misinformation and disinformation is? Yeah, I, no, I kind of put it on a continuum and okay. uh, yeah, my my misinformation continuum <laughs> on, on the one end, you have what we could call the hardcore lies, disinformation. And, and this is being spread with intent. So there's often right. an agenda behind it. Mm -hmm. Often the people that are spreading it know it's a lie. Um, and yes, na nation states are, are involved and there's good evidence to suggest that that is the case. Right. Then you kind of move along that continuum and you have individuals that, you know, they might know it's a lie. Maybe it's part of their personal brand. Maybe it's part of, you know, a, a, a an industry that they're involved in and they're spreading misinformation. And I put a lot of anti-vaxxers in this, in this camp. You know, they have a brand. Right. And this is who they are now. And they're going to spread this misinformation. Then you move along that continuum a little bit further. And then I put, Joan, like the wellness woo gurus. OK, so I'm putting the Tom Brady's and the Gwyneth Paltrow's uh, in this camp. And, you know, again, they have a brand to sell and they're and they're pushing harmful misinformation, especially in, in the nutrition space, as you know, very, very right. well. Yes. Uh, do they believe it? Do they not believe it? Is it just about making money? You know, so you can see how this is this continuum is playing out. Move further along that continuum. I'll go to the other end. And sometimes it's it's all of us just, you know, doing our best for ourselves and for our loved ones. And we inadvertently share incorrect information. Um, and, you know, that is that's obviously a real problem, too. And I think it's really important to remember to be humble, to be empathetic and to listen because it's a pretty chaotic information environment out there. It's pretty messy and we can all fall for misinformation. We're all capable of sort of that last category. So uh, I reserve my, my, most of my anger for the other end of the continuum, but it's, it's a complex continuum for sure. It is. And, you know, this whole thing with the internet and the social media, you know, with the internet, you know, we go and we use the best doctor that we know, and that's Dr. Google. I mean, we always use him or her, right, to, to Google the information. Um, but so so information, and of course, we know that a lot of websites are not accurate. So then we start being educated incorrectly. But I think this sharing on social media, you know, you share it on Instagram, you share it on, on uh, TikTok, you're sharing it on, on uh, Facebook, all this misinformation. And what I found was, when I was doing digging a little deep here, it was an unbelievable article because there's so much health misinformation that can be dangerous. And that's really what I, I want to get off. This article I read in JAMA, and I know you know this, Tim, that a small number of individuals that really do the disinformation where it's, it's, it's with intent is really just about 12 accounts. That blew me away. They, they call this the disinformation dozen. These people have an agenda. They were very, very high profile during the anti-vaccine issues and everything. And, and to me, it's like, 
first of all, why are they doing this? Obviously, there's got to be money behind it. But but I can't believe that just those few accounts can have that much power. Yes, it's, that was a famous analysis. The disinf- disinformation doesn't. And, uh, you know, other other studies have sort of replicate the spirit of that conclusion, maybe not the exact numbers, but I think we now have looked at this from enough angles that there's absolutely no doubt that high profile individuals can have a dis- disproportionate impact on our public discourse. Joan, one of the questions I always get is, you know, why do people believe, you know, celebrities or, or this, you know, politician and not a good scientist? Well, well, part of it is just the megaphone that they have, and that speaks to what, what you've just talked about. In addition to that, and I think that's often what's going on here, they ha- they're playing to people's ideology, they're pe- playing to people's preconceived notions, they're part of a community, and that allows, and I know that these, these 12 well, <laughs> that allows them to have incredible traction, just absolutely incredible. And I think it's really important to emphasize, because maybe some of your listeners are thinking this already, you know... I'm against misinformation too, but how do you differentiate misinformation from scientific debate? Don't fall for that, right? Don't fall for, this is that silencing argument you're hearing more and more, or we're being censored, or this is about freedom of expression. Don't fall for that because this stuff we're talking about here is clearly misinformation. Like it's clearly harmful misinformation, number one. Uh, it's, you know, it's stuff like the vaccines are killing people, that ivermectin works, that they have microchips in them. It's that kind of thing, right? right. They'll make you magnetic, you know, all this complete absurd stuff. Uh, that's what we're talking about here. Uh, number two, we're not talking about silencing anyway. The vast majority of misinformation tools, like stuff we're talking about today, is about using the marketplace of ideas, you know, getting out there with good, shareable, fun content that uses diverse voices to battle the misinformation. And then those rare circumstances when we really are talking about uh, deplatforming, for example, which, you know, really happens rarely. (laughs) Um, That is, you know, that that is the extreme. That's the extreme. And by the way, there is some research. It's hard to study this well. The deplatforming does work. And by if by work, I mean, you know, lowering the amount of misinformation out there, lowering lowering sort of the toxic uh, environment a little bit. Uh, so it does, it can work, but you know, I I think that should be an instrument of last resort and should de- be deployed only when there's clear, transparent rules that have been have been transgressed. Here, here, Joan, we are talking about clear misinformation that we want to get on social media media and counter. Right, and you want to you want to be following reputable health professionals. Uh, the problem with a lot of this is emotional, you know, especially during COVID. Oh my God, we were every minute things were changing, so we didn't know who to believe, and we and it made us very vulnerable to just say, you know, that sounds like it could be possible, you know, and and so a lot of this is emotional. Oh, so we have like people that have Zippo science background pushing this misinformation or disinformation. But then we have health professionals pushing it. And you always talk about the Dr. Oz effect. So look at you, you're shaking your head. Okay, so what to talk about? I mean, this this is crazy. Talk about this. Crazy. And I want to go back to your emotion comment, if I could, because you're yes. exactly right, Joan. You know, there's a really interesting study that came out Tim, this summer. Tim, I am spot on. You're spot on. You're spot yes. on. <laughs> so. It was a study that came out in, in I think it was in June, uh, and and it was basically asking, what is the phenotype of misinformation that gets traction, that spreads, right? 
and, and this work, by the way, replicates other work. It builds on a lot of other, other studies, but they basically found four characteristics. It's negative, playing to that yeah. negativity bias. It's emotional, as you just said. Uh, it is plays to our morality or ideology, and it's easy to process. Those are the four characteristics. No surprise, right? No surprise, right. but good to have that data. And, and, and then we have the doctors that are exploiting all of those things. And Dr. Oz pushes all of those buttons, especially now, now that he's running. It's so, it's so infuriating to me. And, and I'm one of those, I'm one who believe, and I, you know, I have a health policy background. I think the licensing boards need to be doing more. You know, there was the bill that just was, came out in California and had people saying, oh, this is going to hurt, you know, scientific discourse. No evidence of that, number one. Number two, we already have, doctors already have a legal obligation uh, to, to, you know, hold their practice to a certain standard. They're licensed professionals. And I, I think that we need to respond more strongly when they're clearly spreading misinformation and they know it. Right, right. And, and, and for profit or, or, as you said, for ego or, you know, where they want to go with it for their career climbing. And, you know, Hippocratic Oath, I mean, do no harm. So how could, you know, health professionals who are science-based trained could be pushing this? It makes me absolutely crazy. And that's what's confusing to Joe and Josephine on the street, because there's a doctor you know, it's a DR before his or her name. And so right away, you know, you think, well, this could be credible. He's a, you know, he's a doctor. And so, so problematic. Why do you think um, this disinformation spreaders, why do they get more prominence? I, I did read that if it's negative, it gets shared more often. So can you explain that because you know I, i'm a nice i'm a nice person i like happy news but so so negative news to me you know why does that get such prominence you know there, there's actually a lot of studies that have explored this it's one of those really strong cognitive biases that we that we all have the negativity bias and and some have gone so far as to su suggest and it probably is evolutionarily wired right you know Remember where the the tigers hang out over there, right? And and don't eat that that poisonous root. That was a bad idea. You know, Stan got really sick when he ate that. So we so there's an evolutionary advantage to giving more weight to the negative news, right? And um and there's been studies, for example, that have shown that negative he headlines outperform positive ones. Uh, there was a study that came out in 2019 that that looked at this cross culturally right which really mm. you know highlights the degree to which this might be evolutionarily wired because this exists around the world this this tendency uh and so those you know there's entire networks <laughs> that that play to this this tendency of 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 humans uh and it does create real challenges so there you know there was the study i just i just referred to and then there was a study that again came out i think 2018 it was published in science uh, it was one of those first really, really big studies looking at social media, and it found that, you know, lies travel faster than the truth. And again, they found this exact the exact reality that, you know, you can make a lie sexier, right, and and scarier and than the truth, where you try to put nuance and, and caveats in it. So uh, there's a lesson there, though, Joan, right? We have, to, it's a, it is a challenge, no doubt about it, but right. we've got to figure out how to make exciting, creative you know, funny content that can compete with that, the nonsense.
right? I think I and the start the study that you were talking about it was something like positive health information was shared a thousand times and negative was shared like a hundred thousand. I'm just making these numbers up, but it was unbelievable the difference of how the negative gets reshared in the public health space. I think it was done with HIV that found that even there, you know, when they're trying to do good, the negative. New, the negative messaging is more powerful, but you know, I, I'm not, I don't think it's, you know, I think you can be clever and, and use humor and all these other things to, to counter that. So I'm an optimist. You know, um, is there a role of these social media platforms to say, you know, we got to control this misinformation or more importantly, disinformation because, you know, something it can hurt people. What is their like liability? What is their role in monitoring this? I, you know, I think it's huge. It's huge. I, I mean, there's just, you know, I often say uh, that the spread of misinformation is one of the greatest challenges of our time. And by the way, there was a survey of in 19, a nice big survey, 19 countries. People agree with that. You know, it was it was right up there with climate change as one of the greatest challenges facing humanity. Mm-hmm. But, but I also, from a policy perspective, I think what you just said, Joan, is, is one of the greatest policy challenges that we have because these social media platforms have become incredibly, incredibly powerful. They're private actors. They're international. So how do you regulate them? How do you get them to take to take action? So in the good news column is all of the platforms from TikTok to Instagram, you know, they, they recognize that they have to do something. So we've all seen it, you know, things like redirects or, or warnings. Um, so that's good news. Now we need more empirical evidence about whether that really works or not. And the, and the emerging data is a little bit mixed, I think, there. But we also need um, things like, uh, in extreme circumstances, uh, deplatforming. And as I said, right. it, it, it can work, but I, I think the rules should be transparent. Um, you know, the downside of deplatforming, uh, and, and your many of your listeners have already thought about this, is that, you know, so the plus is, it seems, it, it, for the general public, it does lower the temperature, it does lower the spread of misinformation. But does it create echo chambers, right? Do you push them off to some, you know, corner of the internet where they get, they rise to fame? Yeah, exactly, right. That's the, uh, I've been silenced, I've been silenced. Um, so that's that's the downside. So, you know, it's a complex information environment, but there is absolutely no doubt that we've got to figure out some way to get the social media platforms to do more and to do it in a way that fits with the our 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 norms, our accepted norms in a liberal democracy. Right. You know, you uh, you had uh, said this before because you know this is like this is not the first time you've ever been on spot on. Like you, I think you're almost on every six months. But anyway, uh, you had said once in a, a prior episode that the algorithms that they rise the the misinformation or the more crazy it is rises to the top of the Google searches or, you know, so, so talk about that because didn't you say that that was, maybe they were going to start to look at that? Uh, You're exactly right. And since we last spoke, we have more evidence to back that up a lot more. In fact, there was a study that analysis, I think came out last week on this exact, on this exact point, looking at all the major platforms, by the way, and they found without exception, the algorithms are pushing mis misinformation, right? Uh, and because those algorithms are designed to increase views, to increase traffic, to you know generate clicks, and so they are pushing 
misinformation. Our own research, Joan, that we've done more since we we chatted. We we've looked at things like um, uh, searching, um, you know, search doing Google searches, yes. and we have found that you know that first page is almost you know we did it around immune boosting, populated populated with misinformation. Again, it's the algorithms pushing that pushing that that misinformation. So there, that this is a, a huge issue. The um, all the platforms have been talking about being more transparent about their algorithms and and uh, adjusting them, but there doesn't. I don't see any evidence of that happening in any robust manner. That's going to make a real difference in how how information is, is shared. Let, let me give you one. This was a study that came out. Um, maybe you even saw because it, it got a lot of headlines about TikTok. Now TikTok, two billion followers on planet Earth. Like it's it's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, but they found that 20% of, of what is pushed, and you know how those algorithms work, right? It's pushed uh, at the TikTok users has misinformation involved in some of the topics like around vaccines, 50%. So that's all the algorithms, you know, pushing this stuff at people, uh, incredibly problematic. Right. So what we have to do is health professionals, the people that are uh, on top of their careers, health, nutrition, policy, whatever, um, have to be on these social media sites to, to get the information out. What you just said before, you just scared me because you just said that oftentimes the people with misinformation rise in the Google searches to the top. And you said maybe two to three pages. I'm like, Two to three pages. Are you kidding me? So in other words, I don't even go past the first page, Tim Caulfield. <laughs> People don't go. I think that's what the number is. Don't, don't go past the first pages. I'm like 30% only look at the snippet. You know where you hide a dead body, Joan? <laughs> On page four. Page four of the Google search is the dead body. And that body is so cold. I mean, that hasn't been seen in years. Terrible. Absolutely right about that. When we do searches, we all, all when we do our studies, we all often just, you know, we look at the first page for that reason. Yeah. You know, it's it's ridiculous. So, so I think that's really important for the, our listeners to, to, to understand is don't keep going down because it is, it's like garbage, you know, until you get to the real things and looking for credible sources. And that kind of really leads me to the next thing because there's so much harm in there. And uh, what I've always said, Tim, what scares me about the nutrition and health misinformation, it's you follow it and you delayed getting good medical health. And, and sometimes that delay could cost you your life. I mean, really, because you're doing all these other things and trying to, and you realize if you would have, would have gone to the doctor sooner with your issues or something, it might've been better. So that is frightening to me. You know, I, I used to um, say to my graduate students that um, our role was as nutrition professionals is to fight the leading causes of death that have a diet relationship, you know, heart disease, cancer, stroke, type two diabetes, with a fork and a knife. And I now I say that that's not only our job. Our job is to do that and also to protect the consumer. And it's really that we have to get good nutrition information out there because they're taking things that are really, really harmful. You're so right. And whether you're talking about supplements or right. just, just crazy extreme diets. Now, I want a, a quick aside. You know, I think the nutrition community has been out in front and, yes. uh, on, on the messaging. You know, I'm very lucky. I've worked with Dietitians of Canada, yeah. and I've right. and, I, and I think I think part of it is because you <laughs> there is so much 
baloney out there in your space, right? So, you know, it required that. So they, you know, the fun messaging, you know, you've got great science communicators in, in your, in your area. Uh, but, but you're, you're so right. You're so right that there is this almost, you know, responsibility to, to um, counter the misinformation. And I, and I do think that, you know, there's wonderful comments in things like New England Journal of Medicine and JAMA where, where they've really called on on the the broader community to do exactly that, and as someone who's been doing this for decades, it wasn't always like that, Joan. You know, this was kind of a niche topic. Oh, sounds kind of fun. You get to make you know fun of celebrities. Not anymore, right? It's it's central. It's central, and so you know, I, I love to see that that action. You know, and this is not new. This misinformation quackery. Um, my my most uh, quote that I love the most is: "Be careful when you read um, health books because you could die of a misprint." And and do you know who said that? Mark Twain. So this is this this has been around. Mark Twain, and I feel like I know everything. Well. Yeah, this is why you come on the show every six months because I t- I finally teach you something. Right, so, what is the consumer to do? Uh, how does one protect themselves? Because this is just frightening. You know, I, I love the comment you made about you know protecting yourself with a fork and knife. Uh, uh, Nature Medicine has this very brand new. I'm going to say last week it came out, or maybe ten days ago. Uh, they had this new initiative to to highlight the basic things that humans need to do to be healthy. Joan, right? And, you know, despite all the, you know, you and I have talked about this before. There's just so much noise out there about health, so much noise, right? And it really does come down to very, very basic things, right? And so, you know, you don't smoke, right? (laughs) you know, you exercise and you just do whatever you enjoy, right? There's no magic there. And then of course they talk about things like uh, vegetables and it's a really, it's nature, nature medicine. I should have had the the title of their project in my in my back pocket here. I think it's risk assessment, but eat fruits and vegetables, you know, the basics of a healthy diet, right? It, there is no there is no no magic. So the reason I'm I'm, I'm starting with that is one of the things I, I've said in all my books and I've said to you in the past, always focus on the basics. Always focus on the scientific consensus, whether it's vaccines or whether it's fruits and vegetables. When you're talking about health, it's complex. There's so many variables. Look at that big picture, and the big picture gives you a path a path forward. Secondly, um, the critical thinking cap, right? And you know, you say that to people, and, and I'm sure you've had this reaction. It sounds kind of boring. <laughs> you know, I don't want to. Critical thinking sounds like I have to take a class. You know, interesting research has shown that even just pausing for a moment, Joan, uh, before you engage with material, and just asking yourself what kind of evidence is being used to support this claim, can make a difference. There's, you know, great. Uh, experimental psychologist I work with, Gordon Pennycook and David Rand at MIT. He's done interesting work in this space. Just pausing for a moment and asking what kind of evidence is being used here, that that can make that can make a real difference. And then, of course, you've talked about this in the past. Ask yourself why this is being said. Is there an agenda? Is someone selling something? You know, just you know those three tools, and there's many more, but those three tools are a great place to start. 
Right. And, you know, well, find some credible health professionals. I mean, this is the, one of the main reasons why I started Spot On, because I couldn't stand the misinformation that my students at Boston University were hearing and asking me questions about. So find reputable people. What What is he or she saying in this? You know, find someone that's a, a, a surgeon, if, you, if you're looking for whether I should get an operation, you know, uh, a nutrition professional or whatever, so that you go to credible sources. There was a, a wonderful, the news literacy uh, project put out a hashtag, um, a hashtag care before you share. In other words, just pause and think, is this too good to be true before you share it and become one of those people that are spreading the, the misinformation? So, um, you know, this is just something that's absolutely crazy. And I wanted to get you on because I know that you are a big you talk about your space. You're like a pioneer of this space. Tell us about this new uh, project you have that you co-founded. What is this? Called Science Up First. <laughs> I love it. Okay. And tell science me about up this. First. Hashtag Science Up First. And what it is, it's an initiative that I, I started with, co-founded with Senator Stan Kutcher. He's a physician. He's now a senator. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, um, we wanted to to create an initiative that went to where the mis misinformation resides. So we're talking social media here, John. Look, we know it's, it comes from other places, from family and friends and from you know, TV, but, but a growing body of evidence tells us you know, social media plays a huge role here. Yeah. So we started this initiative. We're on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, and we tried to create fun, engaging material using diverse voices, independently vetted by experts across, you know, North America. Um, it's been tremendously successful. I think we're, we're approaching a billion, a billion interactions on social media. Uh, and now Stan and I are just advisors now. It's, you know, it's being run by this young, smart, you know, fresh brains. Yeah, right, <laughs> young, right, right. Smart group of, you know, this creative team right. who are, are running the show. Uh, we branched out to a variety of topics uh, where we want to do, you know, potentially uh, climate change, but we're doing, you know, mental right. health issues. We're doing unproven really? therapies now. Uh, lots on vaccines, of course. We'd love to have your listeners become part of the Science yes. First team. Just follow us and and become part of the team. And and it's a, we another thing we do. This goes to that negativity comment we had. We try to be positive. We we despite the fact that we know, <laughs> but the world doesn't meet need more negativity right now. Right. So we really try to make the content fun and accessible. Okay, so hashtag science up first. Okay, I love it. Let's let's all get on. Let's look at it. Let's follow it because you want a place to go to when you see something or hear something or read about something uh, to make sure, you know, something this doesn't sound right and that's the place to go. So Tim Caulfield, here we go again. I got to let you go because you're writing another book, right? Honestly, as soon as we hang up, I'm gonna go back and start start working. You know what my what what my chapter I'm working. On? I'm actually working on something that uh, that involves Gordon Pennycook. Coincidentally, he wrote that famous piece that won the Ig Nobel Award from Harvard on pseudoscientific bullshit. Oh, I love it. That was the name of the study. Yeah, study. So um, there you go. That's great. That's great. And this is what we need. We more of you in the world. So again, Mr. Tim Caulfield, I want to thank you so much for coming on Spot On. Uh, thank you, Joan. Always a pleasure. And thank you for everything that you do. Spot 
Spot On is supported by the Boston University Sargent College's Master of Science degree in Nutrition program. Log on to bu.edu to learn more about this fabulous nutrition graduate program. Thank you for listening to Spot On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This way you'll get every new episode every week. And by the way, leave us a nice review. And can you also like us on our Spot On Facebook page and suggest topics for future episodes? Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joan Salji Blake. And oh, by the way, can you send this episode to five of your friends? Do I ask a lot of you? <laughs>